What's up, mamas? It's Tanika Ray. I was a television host for 20 years before my entire life blew up when I had a baby. Shifting gears from red carpets to a gig called mom required a whole new game plan. The carefree, globe-trotting boss babe me was suddenly in search of a mommy tribe to help me navigate the inevitable fumbles and fails of raising a kid. Mama Stay with Tanika Ray is a sanctuary for the Mommy Collective, where we amplify our self-love and self-care, trade tips on raising conscious kids, help each other fine-tune our boundaries, and celebrate the highs while forgiving ourselves for the lows in the wild, 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 wild world of mommying AF. It is Black Maternal Health Week. And as Black women's health, as they are entering hospitals and giving birth and putting all their faith in doctors that may or may not look like them, our health, our maternal health is still at risk. According to Black Mamas Matter Alliance.org, They say, in light of the steadily alarming rise of maternal mortality in the U.S., which recent data shows has been exacerbated by the pandemic, and amidst growing cases of clear neglect in care in hospital systems immediately after labor and delivery, Black Mamas Matters Alliance continues to highlight and center culturally congruent practices with a focus on Black midwifery and a full-spectrum Black-led doula care as sound evidence-based solutions. Most importantly, these practices and solutions that incorporate the true needs, wants, and desires of Black women and birthing people. Black Mamas Matter Alliance declare the official theme for Black Maternal Health Week 2023 is Our Bodies Belong to Us, Restoring Black Autonomy and Joy. For this week's pod, I am bringing back our episode 25, where I gathered five women in the Black maternal health space to come on Mama's Day and have a real honest gut-wrenching conversation about how to take care of ourselves, how to advocate for ourselves, how to make sure we are protecting ourselves at all costs, especially when we are bringing a new life into the world. But I wanted to bring up one thing before we get into that episode, which is incredible. A couple of days ago, I had the honor of attending a screening for a film short that is going to be premiering on Netflix. It is called Weathering. Now, think about that word, weathering. On March 28th, 2023, the book Weathering dropped. Weathering, written by Arlene Geronimus, is the extraordinary stress of ordinary life on the body in an unjust society. One more time. Weathering. The extraordinary stress of ordinary life on the body in an unjust society. The book fuses science and social justice 
as Weathering offers an urgent and necessary exploration of how systemic injustice erodes the health of marginalized people. So this concept is really now being framed. We're now having a word to describe what it feels like to be othered, neglected, ignored, and in some cases, just trashed. It is unacceptable. Just as this book came to be released a little over two weeks ago, Buzz quickly built over this word, this term, weathering. There's this brilliant, beautiful actress in Hollywood who was becoming frustrated with her choices for roles. She wanted something a little meatier and she wanted something that really had an impact on what was going on in the world. She was discussing her frustration with a mutual friend of ours, my dear, dear friend and the Munch's uncle, Dr. Siri Satnam Singh. And Siri said to her, well, if you're so frustrated, why don't you just write your own project? Well, that's always something that could send a lot of stress to an actress who just wants to get a great script and work on the scenes. But this actress took it another level further. She took on this challenge and wrote her very first script. Not only that, she stepped into the director's role for the very first time. This actress gets all the respect. She put a crew together. She got Bradley Cooper to produce it. The concept of her script, a 20-minute short called Weathering, about what Black women have to go to to protect their maternal health. What perfect timing, Megalyn. Megalyn Achikuwonke has done it, y'all. Applaud to her. And make sure you check out her movie on Netflix called Weathering. Her film pulls no punches. Her film is raw and hard and it's kind of a psychological thriller, but it hits the nail on the head on what Black women are experiencing today. I'm definitely going to have to grab Megalyn to get on this podcast to chat a little bit about her inspiration, why she wanted to tackle this role. And by the way, she didn't play the lead role. She cast this beautiful chocolate sister who played the lead role so brilliantly with all of its complexities and pain. Ah, Alexis, make sure you check this out. Great job, Megalyn and Alexis. Oh, and by the way, Alfre Woodard just, you know, stopped by to do a cameo. It is a brilliant way to look at the state of the world today and for us to use our art as activism So thank you so much, Megalyn. All right, on to our ladies to give us more information on how we can not only protect our peace, protect our bodies, protect our minds. Much love. Here we go. The fact that we did it is kind of amazing to get six women with very busy schedules together on a call is a miracle. Welcome, welcome, welcome. (laughs) Yay. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I'm so honored that you guys are here today. And I trust Erica so much just from one phone call because we were so aligned. I was like, get some sisters together and let's spread the word on how to advocate for ourselves, how to create a new path 
maybe a path that hasn't been tread in how to get pregnant, have babies, raise our babies, because the doctrine out there feels very old. It feels very white. It feels very other than what's instinctive. So I'm going to go one by one. Doing six people is obviously a little bit more complicated than one-on-one, but I'm going to go one by one. And I want to hear what your skill set is, what you are offering to the world, what you're passionate about sharing with other mothers. Let's start with you, Aaliyah. I'd say my skill set or like my superpowers are... Your superpowers. Uh, that's a better way to put it. Yes. I don't know if that's better, but it's it's, it's my way. I like superpowers. That's, yeah, okay, that's I'll so much more in line with magic. Yes. Yes. I think my gifts or my superpowers are people. So for my career and my personal life, I tend to bring out the best in people around me uh, and projects. So I'm just really good at like seeing an endpoint, seeing the beginning and then figuring out how to get there. And the way that I offer that to the world is, you know, through my family. I call myself the co-CEO of the McCants family. <laughs> we're, we're, we're a team and we're in this together. It's been a wild ride so far, especially the last couple of years. And then professionally, I, uh, I lead the social impact work at Peloton. I just moved to Peloton uh, about a year ago after a pretty long career in education where I use those gifts. But it's always been about making society a better, more equitable, more just place. Peloton's had a lot of pub lately. So it's been, again, it's been a wild ride. <laughs> it applies to a lot of different places, but it's it's a fantastic place to work. And the work that we're doing on the anti-racism front is really exciting. So, Okay, it's your turn, Vanessa. The way that I put myself in a place where I can I can care for myself, I really lean into that when it comes to other people. So if you ever have a conversation with me and you're telling me you're stressed out or you're telling me that you're dealing with this or dealing with that, I'm like right there cheering you on. Like, listen, this is what you got to do. Have you thought about doing this? Did you take a bath recently? Have you have you taken care of yourself recently? Like, what have you done for yourself? You know, and so I kind of become that cheerleader, which ironically I was in high school and just kind of jump on on board with you and try to help you start doing the work that it's going to take to get you to the place where you really want to be. And so that shows up in my life with Obviously, the normalized breastfeeding movement is like a huge part of that. I was going through crazy breastfeeding experiences with my children previously. And that particular baby I was nursing had no issues at all. And so I was like, who needs some help? <laughs> Let me help you. I love that. And when I started seeing that this hashtag was trending and there was no real movement behind it, and there were some faulty pornographic posts that I came across with the hashtag on them, I was like, hold up, hold up, hold up nobody's doing anything about this. And so that was kind of when I stepped up and was like, all right, you know, let's, let's see what we can do. And it's been eight years now. And I'm just like astounded by the amount of growth that it's caused, not just for women around the world, but in the black community. I think because it was me who was breastfeeding my baby, the most high put me in position to be a light to a lot of women who looked at breastfeeding a certain kind of way and didn't look at it as something that was a gift to our families. It's it's a way of, of not just bonding between mother and baby, but this is the experience that fathers need to see as well, because it helps them to remember that love that is just unconditional. And it allows them to um, really look at their at their partner in a way that 
they would never see them in that light prior to well the birth first of all and then it's a little <laughs> shocking the child them. and keeping them alive sustaining them right. <laughs> so the, the, the so sustaining a, a human with solely your body is like the most magical experience i have ever been through it's a spiritual experience it's spiritual <laughs> it's yes. a spiritual experience for sure Thank you, Vanessa. That We're going to get back to that. Did everybody breastfeed? And no judgment, by the way. <laughs> yes, I was able to breastfeed. I breastfed our twins for 13 months. And Vanessa? So I have three, three children. Um, my oldest, he's 14. I breastfed him for six months. And then I had a bout with postpartum depression and psychosis. Um, my second one, I breastfed her for 11 months and she weaned on a nursing strike that I had no idea was even a thing. So that was a whole other issue. And then my youngest, um, he breastfed until he was three years old and he was fighting me to let go. But um, yeah. <laughs> Wait, he was fighting you for you to let go? or for <laughs> Well, the issue, so we weaned on a loss of pregnancy. My milk oh. supply dropped and I went through a, a place where I was just like, I mean, he's three. Like, am I really going to reestablish my milk supply? I was like, that sounds crazy right now. So so I was done at that point. I was done. Bless you. What about you, Carisha? I'm a mother of four and I breastfed all of my children, um, my 13-year-old son for 11 months. And he went straight from breast to uh, cup. And then my 10-year-old daughter, I breastfed her for six months. And then my three-year-old and my two-year-old, I did tandem feeding. And the three-year-old, I got her off at two. And my two-year-old, he's shy of two years old, two years of breastfeeding as well. When you say tandem, you mean one on each teat, right? Yeah. (gasps) You know, women are just so... nice. So don't, you mothers out there, it's not as bad as you think it is. Well, and the milk's going to come out anyway, so why not? satisfy all at once I look I'm not judging that at I all had, I had to because our twins would not get on a schedule and so I was breastfeeding one and then 40 minutes later I'd be breastfeeding the other one and so I was like nursing 24 hours a day and finally our doula was just like let me teach you how to do this and I was like I can't do it there's too many of them and she was like there's two boobs two babies two boobs changed my life tandem feeding like you know, allowed me to, to persist because otherwise I was like, it's a time saver. I'm sure. yeah. Two's easy. It's three and four. You're screwed, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about you, Tamisha? So I have two boys and I was a teen mama. So I was 17 when I had my first one and I breastfed him for about 16 months. And that's actually what put me into my career, that experience being a mother and breastfeeding. And then my second son, I breastfed till he was almost three years old. He was like one month shy of his third birthday And then I also had the experience of breastfeeding twins. So I give it to you because I actually wet nursed a friend's twins for her while she was having some supply issues. And that was an amazing experience. One, to breastfeed twins, and then two, to be able to nurture another child that didn't necessarily come from your womb. Wow. I have goosebumps from that because I didn't know we still did wet nursing. I didn't know it existed anymore. That's incredible. Did you know the mother beforehand? Oh, yes. We actually worked together. She was a good friend of mine. I was a breastfeeding peer counselor, and so was she. 
we sat like right next to each other for, I don't know, about four years before she had her, her twins, which were un- unexpected, but she had supply issues because she had had a um, breast surgery. She had had implants put in and then she all of a sudden got pregnant and they didn't do that great of a job on the surgery. And so healing time wasn't that long. So her supply was not the best. So I was able to support her because I was actually nursing with my second son and he was almost two at that point. So them little ones got some creamy, creamy milk. <laughs> God bless you. That is incredible. That is just beyond what women do. That's what we do. We, we serve the world, don't we? We nurture the world. It's just, it makes me weepy almost to think about because it's so loving. I mean, I'm sure you got paid for it, but it's still so, no. No, she was a good friend of mine breastfeeding advocate. And so we really felt very strongly that we didn't want her little ones getting anything but human milk. And so I was also pumping for her when we were at work because I was done with pumping. Like I stopped pumping when my son was 10, maybe nine, 10 months old, because I was just like, I was over it. And I just went, I just let him nurse until he was three. But so I started back pumping and being able to provide some express breast milk for her to get to the little ones when she was away while she was working. And then, you know, I would go visit and breastfeed. You see my mouth. I'm like, oh my, that's incredible. <laughs> they don't do that out here in Los Angeles. <laughs> I don't know anybody. No, they that. don't talk about it. They don't talk they, about they it. They don't talk about it. But, that's what is happening. It's mm-hmm. still happening, especially in the black community. It's still happening. Wet nursing is still, it's still a big deal. Just behind closed doors. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, but that's what's so beautiful. Let's bring it out. Like there's, yeah. I think there's so much history connected to it. That's a whole other thing. Erica, you can probably break that down a little bit more. The history behind Black women not having the choice historically. And then today in 2021, making the choice to serve a friend in the most loving way so that her children are off on the best foot possible. I can't even imagine the selflessness that is attached to that. It's beautiful, Tanisha. Thank you. Erica. How did you come to being an advocate for breastfeeding? You know, it was just through my experience as well. I was actually in graduate school uh, when I was pregnant and I was learning about the health disparities. I was getting my uh, master's in health promotion and education and I was in a class talking about promoting health and I got introduced to just some of the current health disparities and one of them was around Black maternal health. And I had no idea that just the act of breastfeeding could reduce a mother's chances of dying or also of infants. I was like just that one simple act. And I was lucky that my mother had breastfed. And so she kind of already was like, well, that's what you're going to do because that's what I did. But it took on a whole new meaning for me when I knew I felt like my body could be used as a defense, a line of defense and a way to correct things that are still not corrected in our women. They're just, they don't know a lot of times just at that one thing, what it can do to save their life and to possibly save their child. So I felt like empowered. It wasn't just just a thing to do. It was turning that tide. It was almost like what Tamisha says about that selfless act of breastfeeding on behalf of a friend, knowing that you yourself are a shield for that child as well. And what does that look like? Changing that narrative from this thing that we weren't doing even selflessly, we were doing out of control, right? There was no control as a wet nurse in slavery, but the opportunity to be a wet nurse for a friend, there's power in that. 
you know, there's power in breastfeeding for your children. So I breastfed for my daughter. Uh, she kind of self-weaned. And a year, she was just like, I'm good, mom. You know, <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I got you there. I said, I could see that she wasn't wanting to breastfeed as, more, as much. So on her first birthday, I said, okay, this is the last day. And she looked at me and she kind of like, you know, kind of pat. I swear we were having a conversation. And that Boy. next day, she didn't even ask. She was good. So she sort of self-weaned at a year. And then my middle son, God, we probably could have gone on, gone on forever, but I was pregnant. Uh, I got I got pregnant after 10 months and I was exhausted. And at the time I just didn't, I wasn't eating the right foods. And I, I was just like, I can't keep this up. Um, I know now that, you know, there, there are ways that you could, but I just didn't have the education back then. So I breastfed him, I think 13 months. And then my youngest was just shy of two years. I, I would have definitely now knowing more than I know now as a lactation educator and working towards uh, becoming a lactation consultant as well. I would have definitely gone longer. But, you know, as we learn in, in our courses, you do the best you can with the information and resources you have Absolutely. at the time. But everything is exactly the timing it's supposed to be. I really, truly feel that. As you see each child, nobody had the exact amount of time that they breastfed their children. I only have one, so I have nothing to compare it to. But it was, oh my God, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And then around nine months, we were going to Jamaica. So I was like, if there's ever a time, and I was exhausted. You know that time when you're like, I'm eating just to feed her. I don't even know if I'm getting any sustenance. That's when I was like, it might be time to wean her off. We just happened to go to Jamaica. And in my mind, I was like, this is the moment. If I'm ever going to wean her off, we'll be in an island with organic fruits. So like In my mind, that was just what it was. And like you, she never asked for it again. It was just seamless. I feel like we always, and of course, we all, I feel like, and I've told this to my child, that we've always had conversation. We've always been in conversation from the moment she was born. Does everybody feel that way? Or is that some weird spiritual thing I have going with my child? Vanessa? 100%. Like, well, when I went into psychosis with my oldest, it started from that of like really feeling like there was this deep connection and I can speak to this child. Like, and I do believe that I had that intuitive ability, but it went beyond that because of like lack of sleep and different things that were, you know, um, adding to it. But, but there's definitely that communication there, especially with a mother and baby who are breastfeeding and bonding in that way. Breastfeeding is an unexpected joy and privilege because that requires you to have the time and the space to pump at night possibly. Mm -hmm. And if you have a full-time job and you do not have that space to do it, there's, what are the, what are the resources, right? They make you feel like you either breastfeed and be at your child's beck and call, or you go straight to the formula and they pump that formula hard as you yeah. guys know. Why are we anti for are we anti I'm anti formula. Are, are you guys anti formula? So it was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to breastfeed and I'm going to give my baby the healthiest life. I can give them the best chance and start. You know, I'm going to thank you for that, Carisha. I'm going to edit myself because I think that could be very controversial that I said anti formula. Right. Yeah. Aliyah's like, yeah. And so is Tamisha. I am anti formula. <laughs> 
That's why Carisha's here because she's. I love her. <laughs> I believe that it serves a purpose. So formula was brought upon us because there was women who had health issues who, where they couldn't medically produce the healthiest milk for their babies. So that's a supplement. That's like the Plan B scenario of you know grooming and, and nurturing your baby. But actually, like Tamisha said. You know, giving someone else's breast milk is a secondary. Then formula is third. But we don't exercise that with all these new things in the world and us eating all these GMO foods and hybrid foods and stuff. Everyone's always trying to take the easy way out. And sometimes the easy way is the most difficult when you get to the end of the race. So wait, hold on, Aaliyah, because I want to edit myself and say, for me, maybe my stance is an anti, even though I'm not into it. Maybe my stance is just more pro breastfeeding, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So because, I mean, obviously there's no money in us producing our own milk, right? No. They can't make money off of it. So That's not true. Wait, wait, wait. Right. Oh, well, oh. they do. They, they, they have found ways. They, they have found ways. Breast milk is sold. They actually, about $3, $3 an ounce is about the rate, going rate for breast milk. <laughs> selling breast milk individuals or like Gerber no individuals but there's also there's also organizations that actually have targeted the black community mm -hmm. (laughs) say that say that a little louder Vanessa Meadowlack google that Mm -hmm. (laughs) are they putting preservatives in what's going on so here's the thing is that human milk is actually used by hospitals it's used in NICUs and, and, and also individuals purchase breast milk when they as a supplement, as opposed to using artificial milk. OK. And so okay. There, is, there is a market for it if you have the money to pay for it. Right. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. And so um, they were this organization, this business actually exploited and marketed directly to the black community. Right. And you can think about the implications of that. Right. We have been exploited enough but marketed directly to Black women that were lactating and offering them money for their milk. And so that could put them in, in, you know, that situation where they're actually pumping in addition to breastfeeding, which could set them up for other health issues if they are in an oversupply situation or even depriving their children so that they can make money off of what's supposed to be sustaining their children. Right. So it's a whole market. It really is. You can make money, but not necessarily ethically. Right. Okay, Aaliyah, back to you because I cut you off earlier. What were you going to say? Uh, I was going to offer my opinion, which is that I'm pro breastfeeding, but not anti formula. And that's for, you know, I think when you made that shift, I was like, oh, yeah, like that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. And that's for a couple of reasons. One, you know, I made the choice to breastfeed and I like had the, structures and support and the education in place to support that choice. And I'm like very grateful for that. I know so many people for whom that wasn't the reality, right? Who like did their best and like felt super judged and felt like breastfeeding became a hammer that people used to judge, right? So even, you know, when you earlier, you're just like, do you support breastfeeding? Like no judgment, like the fact that we had to put a disclaimer around it earlier, like there's like there's like a hierarchy, right? If you breastfed, it's like one level. If you didn't, that's one. And people feel that. And I don't want anybody to feel that way about motherhood ever, right? Because mother, however you parent, as long as you're like raising a healthy child, that's the most important thing. You're doing your best. And then the other thing 
you know, my personal experience, yes, I breastfed, but I went back to the hospital like a few days after giving birth with a hemorrhage and that had been my plan to breastfeed, but I didn't have milk at that point. And the only way that we could feed the children when I was, you know, fighting for my life in the hospitals, my mom gave them formula. And so once they already had the formula, it actually freed me up to do breastfeeding. Cause I was like, Oh, you know, I had this like ban in my head on formula. Like my kids are never going to touch it. And then once it crossed their lips, I was like, Oh, huh? so I guess, you know, if I'm able to breastfeed amazing, if I'm not like, <laughs> whatever. And so like just having like the release of the pressure, I think allowed me to be a more successful breastfeeder. But I understand that formula has its place in our society. And I don't think that like, I would never knock somebody if that's the choice that they made. So that's what I was going to say. Thank you. And I think Karisha made a really interesting point, which is it was always sort of designed to be supplemental. Well, we're taught in our community that we can literally do it all. Sisters, no. (laughs) I mean, it feels good that at least it's a positive thing we're told, you know, we're told that we can do, but it's also. But it doesn't allow us to be our true selves, which is, we have a capacity, right? Everyone has capacity. Mm -hmm. So if we're taught that we can do it all and that you're strong and go do that thing. Okay, but not everything is supposed to be done in this time, right? We know that scripture tells us that everything has a season, Right. So my season in that moment was nurturing a newborn child and nurturing myself. I chose to also take on building a business. Right. And so that at six months, I hit postpartum depression. Like I, I literally was catatonic. I wasn't speaking to anyone. I wasn't eating. I wasn't I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't doing any of the things I need to do other than nursing my baby. OK. And it got to the point where I started like running out of the house, like run, like running away, but like no shoes on or anything like just crazy. And eventually they had to take me to the hospital. And so at that point was when formula was introduced. Had we not had formula, my baby would have passed away. So it's like, I look at it like it, just like she was saying, it's there for supplemental use. If that's what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And so because of these experiences in normalized breastfeeding, I've always looked out for the moms who had to pump. I've always looked out for the moms who had to supplement, whether it was donated milk or supplementing with formula. We even had a hashtag that was nurse pump donate, because I wanted y'all to know like, this is the standard. And then if you have to go to formula, okay, do what you got to do, sis, keep your baby alive. Right. But know that there are other options out there for you. And I learned that along the way. I didn't know that with my first baby. I'm going to take it over to you, Erica, because in Vanessa's story, it just reminded me about how we just have to advocate for ourselves. We're just not taken care of. We're just not. I was so lucky that my OB was a Black woman. But that's not, you know, everywhere. If you are lucky enough to find a Black OB, to take care of you. But Erica, it's not an everyday thing that we're just, we can assume we're going to be taken care of and that we're going to be felt made to felt to feel safe in even the delivery room and then beyond it's, we're very dismissed, right? What would be your advice to moms who are pregnant, who want to make sure that they get everything in order to make sure that everything that they need is taken care of. Is there a way to even prepare? Absolutely. And I think it begins with being intentional. And that's kind of what been like uh, one of my uh, mottos in this, in this black maternal health world is that 
Black motherhood is, is, is a social justice movement in and of itself, intentional Black motherhood, that is. So from the moment of conception or that moment that you find out that you're pregnant, that's a power move. It's a power move. It's, it's a superpower to be a mother. And so, you know, taking it back from the ways that we have really exemplified motherhood in the Black community, we can continue. We don't have to turn away from that. We can build on that, right? The strong Black woman narrative it doesn't have to all be thrown out, but it's just how we pivot that now. What does it mean to be a strong Black mother now? A, a strong Black mother has a village. A strong Black mother is intentional about creating spaces where she's safe and she's going to be nurtured. Okay, so she's aware of how she may be perceived in community or in the you know hospital setting or a clinic. So intentionally creating that, that support group for that moment when you're going to be vulnerable. You're not going to be able to advocate for yourself. So you've got whether it's your mother, your aunt, your grandmother, your sisters, your spouse, partner, whoever that is, so that you're insulated during that time. Having those conversations with your partner, I'm going to need you in this way. I don't know everything yet. I'm not a mother yet. Or maybe I'm a, a mother of one, but now I'm going to be a mother of two. I haven't walked in those shoes yet, but I'm going to need some space and some time. And I'm going to need you to carry me because I'm not going to know everything. So I think it's really important that these conversations be had because I feel like the space I've seen is like we've been in this survival mode for multiple generations of Black motherhood, and we've not been intentional. So, you know, a lot of what we do at Flourishing Families are these conversations about what does intentional parenting look like for us? What are ways that we can do exactly what you said? And recognizing that we may not have all the answers, but we're drawing on the collectivism of others. So that means I need to speak to a grandmother. I need to speak to an aunt. I need to speak to a nurse or a doula or a trusted friend and take a little bit from everyone. And, and I think it really, to Vanessa's point, the thing I continue to hear is lack of support. Black mothers don't have the support they need. So at Flourishing Families, that's something we really try to advocate for that mother as much as we can ahead of time. When we started a, a support group for Black breastfeeding moms, and we also do um, webinars and have conversations in community. And it's, it's open to everyone because everyone's a part of the village. So we want folks to get in where they fit in and say, you know, hey, I didn't have the support when I was in that time. Now, when I see that next mother, I'm going to I'm going to make sure that I'm an advocate for her. or I'm sharing that wisdom with her. So the village is open. Are you virtual or is it only for the community around you? A little bit of both. So uh, we work in virtual spaces, but we both, we also work in community. And Karisha is one of our doulas. And so we're really trying to build a collective within our community but it's also the pandemic has really allowed us to expand in ways we would have never seen. So we've been able to be on some national webinars as well, just working with other communities and other community programs like ours across the nation to spread the word. The biggest thing, I think, is listening to Black women. And that's a huge hashtag. Listen to Black women, support Black women, because we're all saying the same things collectively. And a lot of times we've felt in this silo of, gosh, I, I had this terrible experience and somebody didn't listen to me. Oh, well, I'm going to go home and just... Well, we're so used to it, Erica. We're so used to like not being heard that we just deal with it. And this whole thing about, ooh, it's so post-traumatic slave syndrome in my, my brain, right? The whole you can do it all is just because we had to do it all when we were enslaved. We didn't have a choice to take a day off to give birth. It's like, Pick that cotton. Oh, you're pregnant. Pop that baby out and go back to pick the cotton. It's so barbaric, but it is truly linked to the fact that 
we didn't have the choice. And it's almost like we're trying to reclaim that we had to do everything and say, but it like as if it's ours and it's not. It's in our DNA, though. All of that tension is in our DNA and that dismissal of our choice. We carry that. So that's what's so powerful about this generation of black women and black mothers is we can change that tide. We can say no to carrying it in that way. And we can we can release ourselves of that that need to do it all. And I can be intentional and say it's time to take a, a rest and take a break. I deserve that. That's actually foundationally. That's freedom. Mm. Freedom is the, is the right to choose rest. And that's what our Say babies it again, deserve. Erica. Say it freedom again. Is the right. The, the freedom is the right. To, we have that freedom to choose rest. That's what Harriet wanted. That's what our ancestors wanted. That's what they couldn't do. So the key to our success in our future is everything they were not allowed to do. We are not supposed to keep with that pace that they had and start that business, you know, day five postpartum. No, we're supposed to taking back and reclaiming our health and our wealth, what that looks like for us is learning the power of, of no sometimes and mm-hmm. the power of rest. Those are things we've not been allowed to do. And, and you know, we've had to name it. And that's taken several generations, you know. Look, and so, yeah, <laughs> you were that close to say reclaiming your time. And you would be right because Maxine, that's why what Maxine said was so powerful. It wasn't mm-hmm. just in that moment in the political landscape. It was full throttle 360 reclaiming our time because we have been conditioned to think we're supposed to work ourselves to the bone, mm-hmm. go to sleep, wake up and do it again. And it's, I just rebuke it all. I rebuke yes. it. I rebuke <laughs> that is the patriarchy. And I say, no, that's right. why our sister became famous over the pandy in the beginning of the pandy for saying, I'm going to go lay down. Right. <laughs> Sit your ass down. Exactly. Just like Erica said, you know, our rest is our freedom. It's also us taking a stand for that. Resting doesn't mean that you lay down and just let people walk over you, right? Resting intentionally is actively saying, I'm going to rest for this period of time so that I can rise back up and handle my business. That's that intentionality when you know, mm-hmm. you know better, you can do better. And that's that's what the future of Black motherhood can is. It's It's education its support and its intention and intentionality and this the village which we've that's another one of our superpowers right and that's something that's generationally how we have survived is the village thank you so much mamas i so appreciate you thank you so much for being with us here on mama stay with tanika ray I always learn and I am so looking forward to leaning on you in the future we've got things to do together Thanks for hanging out, Mama. I know how little time we have in our day to honor ourselves, and I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. Make sure you click like, rate, and subscribe. I'd love to hear what you think about today's show and what you want to hear going forward. Remember, mommying is a gift, and you're doing a kick-ass job. So, woosah, and mama stay.